0: Strong Opinion Sports is powered by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports episode 573. Welcome in. Uh, Not going to lie, I feel a little bit... I don't know what the word is. bit off today. Kind of tired, kind of hungry, but I've been eating, so I I don't know what's going on. I just feel slightly off, but I do got to say I am really, really excited for the content in today's show. I want to be very clear. We are going to talk a ton about Deion Sanders and Colorado football. If you hate Deion Sanders, you should probably skip the first 20, 30 minutes of the show. I'm just not going to lie to you. I am enamored. I have done... A deep dive into the person he is. The um, just hearing him talk and trying to understand him. And the more I listen to Dion, the more I like him, and the more I believe in him. And if you hate him, I don't really understand how you could possibly not like Dion Sanders. If I'm totally honest, uh, I'm going to show you why I'm all in on Dion and why I think he's probably honestly the next Nick Saban. He's about to change everything about college football. After that, we're going to talk about the Cardinals' new quarterback, Josh Jobs. I fell in love with the guy. He's awesome. Uh, We're going to talk about the Cardinals' head coach, Jonathan Gannon. I don't love him. Don't hate him either. Like, as a human being, I'm rooting for him. Seems like a nice man. Uh, I'm going to share some, what's the word here, Cringy things he's done and said. Um, And then also try to play the other side and be fair and show some stuff that Jonathan Gannon has done and said that I like. Um, We got to talk about the awful loss Clemson just had on Monday. It was embarrassing. It was shameful. Florida State, LSU, we got to talk about that. There's some other college football stuff at the end of the show. Uh, The big news today, though, that we got to start the show with, it'll be very quick, but it's important. Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee at practice. He now may not play on Thursday in the NFL opener against Detroit it's a big deal. Uh, That's not great if you're a Chiefs fan or if you're a person who plays fantasy football and you've got Travis Kelsey, he may not play. And this, to me, swings things heavily towards uh, favor of, heavily in favor, is that the right word? I feel way more comfortable now saying, hey, Detroit might win this football game. And how cool would that be to see the Detroit Lions start the year with a win over Pat McAfee and Kansas City. That would be so massive for them as they are trying to change their football team and rebrand everything and win and be a new age Detroit Lions we haven't seen before. For them to start this year with a win over Kansas City would be monumental for Detroit. Um, Part of why I feel this way, I already had concerns about the Chiefs receiving core. They've got these two young receivers who I like and have potential, Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney, but they're unproven. Uh, you got Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I really like him, but the receiving core was already a question mark whether Travis Kelsey was playing or not going into the Detroit game week one. Now, knowing Travis Kelsey likely isn't going to play, oh boy. Um, I, I, like I said, I, I just think s- things swing heavily in favor of Detroit. They don't have uh, their D-tackle on their defensive line. They don't have Travis Kelsey potentially. Um, I feel pretty good saying I think Detroit's going to win on Thursday. And maybe that's wishful thinking. Let's acknowledge, right, I very much want to see Detroit win and do well. They've been the little engine that could for years. I've been hoping and hoping basically my entire lifetime. I I wonder, does anyone actually hate the Lions, even the people in their own division, Minnesota, Chicago, Green Bay, even they, I think, have seen – the Lions be so bad for so long, they kind of feel bad for them and they're supposed to hate them. I don't think anyone openly is rooting against Detroit being good this year. And I think for Detroit, if they could make a statement on Thursday and beat Kansas City, I don't care if Travis Kelsey plays or not. If they if Travis Kelsey doesn't play, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be the guy who's like, oh well, they didn't have Travis Kelsey. We have to acknowledge that. But a win is a win, and beating Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City To start the year for Detroit would be a massive psychological victory for that football team. And, uh, oh, man, it's kind of, we're building towards it. It feels like that could happen. And, uh, oh, Thursday night football. You guys, NFL football is going to be back on Thursday. I cannot wait. I am so excited. Now, uh, before we jump into the rest of the show, I'm going to make a cut here. We got to pay the bills. So enjoy the ad read right now. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. On top of that, all customers who bet $5 will also get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. I use YouTube TV. It's great. That's literally how I watch all of my football. I highly recommend it. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston. That is FanDuel.com Boston. And kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Now, you must be 21 years or older and present in Massachusetts for this to apply. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. GamblinghelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. The NFL Sunday Ticket offer ends on September 18th, 2023. There are no refunds and terms and embargoes apply. $100 off of NFL Sunday Ticket. That is not $100 off of YouTube TV. The YouTube TV base plan is required to watch YouTube TV. Sunday Ticket is an add-on on on top of that. You get $100 off of NFL Sunday Ticket, the YouTube TV add-on. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use is excluded Subscription renews, cancel anytime. All right, we are back. I have a lot to share about Colorado head coach, Dion Sanders. I am all in. I love the guy. I really needed to see his team play one game before I could commit to this feeling. Um, I've been feeling like, hey, it's a great hire. It's gonna be cool and exciting. And I know Dion in press conferences has talked a lot about, you didn't believe in us. You didn't believe in us. I think it's fair to say I needed one game. I just, I needed to see the product on the field before I jumped all in and believed in Dion and what he's going to do. But my goodness, um, I already kind of regret being hesitant, if I'm totally honest, because I went back and watched a press conference from three weeks ago, and I was like, he's been saying it all along, and he's been right every time he said anything. And I, I just I feel okay, though, saying I, I didn't know until I saw it. But I've seen him play one game with Colorado, or I guess coach one game with Colorado. And I'm going to get hate for this. I have no doubt. I don't really care. I am convinced, in my opinion, Deion Sanders is the next Nick Saban of college football. He's going to build a dynasty and win a ton in college football. I'm not sure that's going to happen at Colorado. I think Colorado, um, I could say, I mean, look, the mountains are beautiful. Boulder's amazing. I could see himself making a home and staying in Boulder for a long time. But maybe a program like Florida State or Nick Saban retires and Alabama wants to draw him in. Maybe a bigger program with more money. And the SEC might eventually draw Deion Sanders and say, hey, we'll give you a bigger platform, better facilities, that kind of stuff. I could see him making one more move in college football to a slightly bigger, better program. Um, But regardless, whether it's in Colorado or somewhere else, at some point, Deion Sanders is going to build a college football dynasty. I really believe that. And I I know we're one game in. But, you know, um, I just think that what's going to happen with Deion Sanders, he is going to absolutely— dominate recruiting. People have no idea. If you listen to Dion and listen to the people his messages are going to, he talks directly to young men in high school, and his message regularly is aimed right at them to bring them into his program. I want to start today by this Dion Sanders topic. I want to start by breaking down his post-game press conference after beating TCU, and then after that, I've got even more to share from a press conference three weeks ago where he called shot after shot after shot, and you're like, he was right, he was right, he was right, he was right. And then he gave this philosophical answer that Deion Sanders isn't just a head coach, he's like a philosopher. And I, I've i bought into the philosophy of Deion Sanders. I love the guy. But the first clip I wanna show you today is from his post-game press conference after beating TCU, talking about his opponent, TCU.
1: Hats off to the opposing team, their coach greatly. Uh, I th- Believe their head coach, I-, I love him to life, what he did. Turning the program around at SMU as well as uh, here last year. Good man. I had a moment with him in the middle of the field when one of the guys were injured. Just to let him know how much I appreciate him. How much I respect him for what he's accomplished. And I and I, I really look up to him. He's a good man. And his team is well coached today.
0: So Dion sometimes gets criticized for talking a ton of trash. And I would counter that by saying I think he's often misunderstood. He doesn't talk trash and tear people down. He's self-promotional. He believes in himself. I really can't find any examples of him tearing other coaches or other teams, or other humans down. He just talks about how great he is. And usually he's right. And that's a critical distinction. Again, the difference between saying I'm awesome versus you suck and regularly Dion really, really respects the game. You can tell. It comes out in how he talks. It comes out in how he treats people. You saw if you watched the TCU game, middle of the game, he was hugging Sonny Dykes midfield, the TCU head coach. I just think often he's misunderstood, and he showed a ton, a ton of respect to Sonny Dykes and TCU's head coach after the game, talking about the program, talking about the head coach. I think that's really cool.
1: We gotta be much more dominant uh, next week in all phases, not just uh, one phase, but offensively, defensively, special teams. Offensively, we we, we did it. Defense, we gotta fix some things. Special teams were horrendous. We got a a kick block, as well as uh, Derner gave up a touchdown. That was horrendous.
0: Colorado played well enough to win week one, but that's just their starting point. I really believe they're gonna be even better in the future. They're gonna keep getting better, fixing things on defense, improve their special teams hopefully improve their running game. I just can't imagine this is the final destination for Colorado. The best game they're going to have all year and the best they're going to play all year is this game week one against TCU. They're going to keep getting better. And I think it's very likely that this upcoming weekend when Colorado hosts Matt Rule in Nebraska, I think Matt Rule could get embarrassed. I mean, we saw Matt Rule, former Panthers head coach, now Nebraska head coach. He went out of his way to criticize Dion and the way he's doing things at Colorado this off season, and uh, you know, Dion never mentioned Matt Rule. He never did, but he he just says, "I don't care. Criticize me all you want. I'm gonna win and do well." I think that's exactly what's gonna happen. If I had to be, uh, if I had to make a choice, I would say, "Hey, Colorado might win by like 50 points over Nebraska this coming weekend. It's gonna be very interesting." But I just love all the people that criticize Dion. I mean. I feel like almost every coach did this offseason. He's won one game. It's not going to work. You know, he's got all these transfers. It's not possible. Um, He plays some of them. He plays Dan Landing at Oregon. He plays Matt Rule this weekend against Nebraska. It's going to be very interesting to see how things play out. Now, in clip number three, I want to show you here today. Dion is talking about coaching his sons. And I think it's just very cool. It shows not only the coach, but the dad that he is. Let's play the clip.
1: When I was in the training room getting my foot worked on, he and Shallow just came and of course Junior was filming it. So we had a dad moment they were really happy uh elated shiloh came in there being apologetic because he he noted a couple tackles he missed I'm on his butt right now but he said he had 10 tackles and i checked the stats and i think he did (laughs) so i was just dad in there uh moments ago and i'm proud of uh, both of them really i really am and 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 junior because his work shows his work is why some of you are here
0: i love this man i love that he's not just a college coach he's also a dad coaching his own children it's amazing and it's super rare to see that it's very cool and often when you see like the coach's kid playing for his dad in college at the highest level usually it's like well he's the kicker or he's the backup receiver like no 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 he's the star quarterback and one of their very best players and a heisman trophy contender it's so cool to see that and uh, i also want to point out it's cool to see the way that he talks about shiloh he talks about Shadur, but he also goes out of his way To credit his other son, Deion Sanders Jr., his oldest son, who's 29, I think almost 30. He doesn't play football anymore. But what he does, what Deion Sanders does, he calls him Jr., is he runs their social media and makes their promotional content. Shout out to the YouTube channel, Well Off Media. That's a massive part of what they do. He says that's why a lot of you are here today. That's how Dion has spread his message from Jackson State to Colorado to now. Now he's getting national news coverage. Everyone's talking about him. But before when it was smaller and there was less attention, Junior was critical at the ground room floor, getting attention on Dion and his ways of doing things and getting recruits to go play for Dion. I love that he gives a shout out to all of his kids, not just the two that played on the field, but goes out of his way to talk about Junior. And uh, in this next clip, I love Dion talking about his best players and what he thinks they can do and what he thinks they might achieve this year.
1: You know, I always promote all my kids. I really think we got a couple guys that should be front runners for the Heisman right now. I really, that's how I feel. And I want to promote my kids at all costs. We got a couple of them that... Who did what they did today?
0: He talks about Travis Hunter, Shitter Sanders, his son, the quarterback, Dylan Edwards. Um, And he's totally right when he says, who else did what they did today? We saw Shitter Sanders played nearly perfect at quarterback. Travis Hunter playing both ways on offense and defense. Dylan Edwards had four touchdowns. To me, the guy that's most impressive is Travis Hunter playing 129 snaps and not only playing on offense and defense, but being elite, truly on offense and defense, playing both ways But Dion loves to help promote his guys, and that's going to go a long way when it comes to building a program. Now, this very next clip is something I absolutely love. Take a listen.
1: We're going to continuously be questioned because we do things that have never been done. That's the way our life has presented themselves. We do things that have never been done, and that makes people uncomfortable.
0: We do things that have never been done before, and it makes people uncomfortable. I... Love that. And it's true, man. Colorado brought in 86 new players going into this year, 57 of them through the transfer portal. And it made a lot of coaches around the college football world very upset. That's not the right way to do stuff. I'm angry. I hate it. You know, we talk about Florida State might have nailed the college football transfer portal. I was watching the LSU Florida State game. They're like, yeah, we think Florida State might have done the best job on the transfer portal. Then they're like, they have a moment of self-realization where they're like, well, actually, um... It, it, it was probably Dion at Colorado. He did something so much that he's not even mentioned with everyone else. He's in his own category, off on his own planet, doing his own crazy stuff. And everything Dion does is new and different. We have never seen a coach like him. The authenticity, the way he approaches stuff. I totally love it. And that's why I think Dion is going to change absolutely everything about college football. And I, I would like to see more coaches speak as openly and as candidly as he does. Now, the final clip from this post-game press conference after beating TCU, he talks about, Dion. talks about the importance of beating TCU and how much this win can matter. Take a listen.
1: These young men in there right now, they believe, not all of them believed before, but right now, they came up one by one, twos by twos. Coach, we believe. Now they believe. Now Boulder believes. People in the front office, people people in the building, the fans, the students. Now, everybody want to believe. I'm good with that. We got room.
0: Beating TCU week one changed everything. Now it's no longer just him talking. I mean, even if Colorado goes on to lose to Oregon, USC, Utah, which, by the way, that might win at least one of those games, I would love to see. I can't wait to see what happens when Dion and his team goes up against the best teams in the Pac-12. It's going to be really fun. But this week one game was everything. We saw Clemson lose week one, get embarrassed. That's a loss people are going to remember in recruiting. The most memorable thing we saw, the first impression of college football this year was Deion knocking off TCU, the team that went to the national title last year. Not only was it a a thing we're going to remember, recruits that are playing high school football right now are going to go, man, uh, Clemson, Florida State... LSU or Colorado, but Dion who's doing special stuff, the gears are turning right now. But on top of that, it's a spark of hope for the players that are already there at Colorado. because Dion's been saying a lot of stuff, and he says it right there, Not everyone believed me, but now they do. because everything Dion said happened. It was true. He was right. And you know what's interesting, he didn't make these crazy proclamations. he believed in his players. He said, my players are awesome. They're going to make plays. That's what he was right about. So he believed in them. They won. And now when Dion talks, it has a different power than ever before. When he talks, people listen. People like me pay attention and go, I think he's right. And his own players are going to go, oh, yeah, coach, we're all in. They, they, they If they weren't bought in before, that's cemented. And Dion's message was always that they were going to win this year, not a three-year rebuilding plan. Hey, maybe four years from now we can be a good football program. No, no, no. Dion said, this year we are going to win. And if any of his players didn't believe him before, they do now. That, to me, is worth everything. When you are trying to build a program and get your players to buy into what you're saying, to have your players all aboard and fully believe you now when you talk, it's everything. This might have been in Colorado's rebuild uh, uh, with Deion Sanders. This week one win over TCU might have been the most important thing to happen all along the way because it just cemented everything he's ever said. And I want to share another clip here. This is from an interview or a press conference three weeks ago, uh, way before the TCU game. And it's one of my all-time favorite quotes from Deion Sanders. I absolutely love it. It makes me almost want to cry because it's so caring and it's so true. And it really speaks to the way Dion wants to help young men.
1: Take a listen. What about me would make you think that I care about your opinion of me? Your opinion of me is not the opinion that I have of myself. I, I've been dealing with this foolishness since Pee Wee football, man. I've been him. I've been a difference maker, a game changer. I've been that guy. So, what will change now that I'm coaching? I love it, but I don't care. And I wish the world thought like that. Youngsters, if you're out there right now, do not give a darn what opinions people have of you, long as that opinion is not consistent of that of yourself. You be you. I'm not playing to make you feel good about me. I already feel good about me. I'm good.
0: Man, um, Dion to me is so much more than just a football coach. I want to read that quote back to you. Do not give a darn what opinion people have of you long as that opinion is not consistent that of yourself. It almost makes me want to cry. It's such a good word of encouragement for young men. I mean, Dion more than a coach, he's almost like a philosopher. He's so wise. And uh, man, I really think Dion's going to help uplift a lot of people. He really does just find exactly the right chord to say and way to share things and um, I just think his encouragement, man, like so many young men need to hear that kind of thing. Stop worrying what people think. Stop worrying about all this nonsense. Focus on you. And if the criticism people are throwing at you, it's not really consistent with who you are. Why do you care? That's how Dion's lived his life the entire way. And something that Dion's son, Shadur Sanders, the quarterback of Colorado, said, uh, it might sound cocky and arrogant, but it actually, I think, really speaks to what can happen when you're raised by DN and around him. Your entire life. I'm gonna play it. Take a listen.
1: Well, I'm a Sanders. You know, I don't feel pressure. That's the thing. It's in my blood. Like, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't get nervous. I don't get none of that. Uh, especially when you're preparing. You got the coaches and you got the staff and the players around you. Like, it's no real pressure. You just find yourself and your own thoughts. And that's the thing. I don't. I don't really. I don't fear no names or no nothing like that. So
0: again, this quote might make you uncomfortable. Is that cocky? Is that arrogant? He doesn't get bothered. But no, no. It's actually incredibly healthy. I want to play it again. Take a listen to this. Listen to what Shadar Sanders says about pressure.
1: I don't get nervous. I don't get none of that. Uh, especially when you prepare, you got the coaches and you got the staff and the players around you. Like, there's no real pressure. You just find yourself and your own thoughts. And that's the thing. I don't, I don't really, I don't fear no names or no nothing like that.
0: That is such a healthy mindset. And to me, that's an example of the impact having Deion Sanders around you, your entire life can have. And to me, I I mean, I I love Star Trek. That's like Spock levels of logic. That's totally right. And it's one thing to know that in your head. It's another thing to truly believe it in your heart. And I believe Shudder Sanders when he says that. I believe he's not phased. And if I was a player in high school football, I'd be like, hey, give me as much Deion Sanders as I can get. He's going to make me a better man, a better player, a better everything. I mean, truly, we have never seen a coach like Deion in our entire lives. And I want you to listen to this next quote from him.
1: I love life. I love the life I live and I live the life I love. So I'm not adverse to the the nonsenses of life. A lot of coaches sit up there and lie to you because they want you to believe something else about who they are. You know who I am. I've been consistent with who I've been for a long time. Now, I've been in the light what, since I was, what, 18 years old? This ain't that new to me. Like, man, he's totally authentic. He's the most authentic coach I have ever seen.
0: And when a reporter asks him if chasing money can unify... A football team. Like can chasing money really be a unifying force for a football team. Listen to how Dion
1: responds to that. We we all want to be comfortable, right? You know the only thing that separates me from many people or, or the fluent from people is having the option. I have the option to go to a car lot to get what I want to get. I have the option to go to a shopping plaza and get what I want. This option. Everybody wants options, right? That's what we're searching. And peace, right? You all want peace and you all want options. Isn't that what you're searching? Or somebody just say, oh, I just love my job. Oh my God, I just love, man, please, you want the option. But I really enjoy what I do. I really do, this is not work to me.
0: I have options. I can go to a car lot and buy whatever I want. I can buy what I want, I can do what I want. And he says, isn't that what everyone wants? We all want to be comfortable. To me, I hear that and I immediately think Dion's gonna help a lot of young men make a ton of money playing football in the NFL. He's going to help them become better players, reach their potential, then go to the NFL and get a big contract and be set for life. And when Dion talks, he's speaking directly to young men playing high school football who are considering, hey, should I go play for Dion?" And really, it's not just high school football players. It's players at other programs too who are talented and they aren't getting to showcase their talent like you want, they want to at their current college. They can jump in the transfer portal, go play for Dion, and be put on a big stage to go show what you can do. I truly believe the primary motivation for Deion Sanders is he wants to help uplift young men so they can make a ton of money playing football. And to me, he's very open and honest about that. I think it's cool. Like Dion doesn't have to coach. He doesn't have to be here. He's got money forever. He can just walk away and enjoy retirement. I don't think people realize though so this is Dion's kind of way of giving back to his community, giving back to people that were once that are that are where he once was. He was once a young man in college or heading to college, getting ready to prepare and try to become an NFL player. He was once exactly the people he's working with now or the people he's trying to convince to come play for him. And like, I don't think Dion's ever going to want to go to the NFL unless he gets some rare, unique, special opportunity. Maybe Shadur Sanders, his son is in the NFL playing quarterback and that team has a head coaching opportunity. And he's like, hey, you know, I'll take a once in a lifetime opportunity to go coach my son in the NFL. That's the only time I can imagine him going to the NFL, truly, honestly, because his skill set, what he's best at, is convincing people to want to come play for him. And that would kind of be wasted in the NFL, on top of the fact that it's a cutthroat business. And I truly believe that what he wants to do, what Dion's motivation here is, he wants to create opportunities so that young men can make a ton of money playing football and have a better life and help kids that were once that are where he once was. And so he's got this unique perspective. Take a listen to this next quote where Dion talks about what makes him unique compared to other coaches.
1: I've been the parent, you know, getting the kid recruited. I've been the coach and the player. And so it's not a, a viewpoint point that I hadn't seen. So I love that advantage, advantage point. I do. I really do. And I've been in the media for during the 20 years. I know what you guys are ready to, and what you guys want too.
0: I think it's interesting Dion played before the guys he's coaching were even alive. But those kids' parents watched Dion when he played in the NFL. And Dion is going to absolutely destroy in recruiting and get a ton of top talent, partially because of his unique perspective, which is so rare. He can relate to a parent because he's been a parent of a high level college football player. He is right now. He's a coach. He's a former NFL Hall of Famer. Any angle you can approach this, he can relate to. And he's not only speaking to the guys he's recruiting, he's also speaking to their parents who are going to go, hey, uh, son, you got to go play for Dion. What are you doing? Why would you ever consider anything else? And then on top of that, here's something that matters that I, because of how I look, look at me. I'm a silly looking man. I feel uncomfortable saying this, but this is true. This really does matter. Culturally, Dion can connect with guys on a level that Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney, that a stuffy white guy simply can't. That's that's uncomfortable, but it's true. Dion Sanders can speak to people on a level and relate to them on a level that Nick Saban certainly can't. And because of all of those factors, because of his unique perspective, because of... His Hall of Fame credentials because he's a parent and a coach, because he played at the highest level. Nick Saban never played in the NFL. I mean, I really think it matters. Like, Dion is going to absolutely crush college football recruiting and convince a lot of players to want to go play for him. And when Dion was asked about why he lets the players, and not only why he lets them, but why he wanted to have the players' social media handles on the back of their jerseys during practice. This is what he said. I loved this answer. Take a listen.
1: Everybody Cheers. wants to be noticed. Everybody wants to be followed. Everybody wants to uh, be that person. So why not help them? Who don't want anybody in here don't want more followers? Why do you get on social? <laughs> you want more followers, right? So why don't I help them? That's, that's my obligation to my team. I help them. So that's why. It's a new age thing, man. Everybody's on social. You might as well help them. I wish we could do it in a game. He gets it. He totally gets it.
0: I mean, he wants to help players reach their goals. More followers means more exposure, more money. He said it. He said, I have an obligation to help them. And more than any coach I've ever seen in my entire life, Deion Sanders understands what it's like to be a player trying to get to the next level. And man, let me remind you, here's a quote he gave three weeks ago. It makes me wish I'd paid more attention because I might have been bought in sooner. But listen to what Deion Sanders
1: said three weeks before beating TCU week one. I'm not new to this, man. I'm true to this. I've been doing this for a minute. I know you think I haven't been at this level for a minute, but I've been in football for the last how many years? A Eight. long time. All right. I know what I'm doing. So as Dion became the head coach at Colorado, one question
0: for me was how is he going to transition from coaching at Jackson State to Colorado. Like, is it going to take any time to adjust to a higher level? And um, now that I think about it with perspective, of course, it was always going to be easy for him. I mean, it would be like if I went back to high school football now at 26 years old, it would be a joke. It'd be like, you're tiny, you're slow. I understand. It's It'd be easy. And when you think about it this way, Deion Sanders played in multiple Super Bowls. You think TCU would intimidate him? Like, he doesn't care. He's been there before. And also, he told us he would win. Here were his expectations when three weeks ago, he got asked about his expectations for the season. Take a listen. Expectations are...
1: To win. To win, develop, get these guys to the next level, and have them to be uh, men, not boys. That's my expectation, and we're going to eclipse that.
0: And uh, here's what he said about freshman running back Dylan Edwards, who
1: had four touchdowns week one. I'm curious, is... Dylan Edwards, everything that he was advertised. More. He's a dog. He wants all the smoke. He wants the ball. Dylan Edwards is a phenomenal, electrifying player. We plan on having returning kicks as well as getting the ball to him as much as possible.
0: Dion knew this would happen. Here is him describing how they built their offensive and defensive systems. I love this answer from Coach Prime.
1: It's really the, the, the job of the coordinator to get to know the talent. It's not the talent to know the coordinator. We got to get to know these young men. They're helping us win, okay? So we got to get to know them and understand who they are and do the things that they're capable of doing and also have command on what we're trying to accomplish as well.
0: As a coach, you have to build around your players and put them in a great position to be successful. He gets it. That's exactly what he does. And then he continues after this quote saying, how good his son should or Sanders would be at quarterback, Take a listen to this.
1: Um, when you talk about Shador, Shador can play the darn game, man. Shador is smart as a whip. We got to take advantage of that. He's been very successful before he got here. We got to glean from some of the things that he did to make it to this point and make sure he's comfortable with the offense. And the main thing, really, we just got to protect the kid. If we keep him upright, I can't wait to you see what he does, especially with the receivers. A plethora of receivers that we have that can straight out ball and they can run like the wind.
0: Here's my message from all this. The reason why I showed all these quotes, like 12, 13 of them, something like that. Deion Sanders told us exactly what would happen three weeks ago. He was right about everything. He was right about his son throwing for a dunny yards. His son threw for 510 yards. He was right about having great receivers. They had four receivers over 100 yards receiving against TCU. Shadur is basically a perfect decision maker. He was right. He was right. He was right. And now that I pay attention, it's like, He was right about everything. So I'm going to listen, and I'm going to believe and buy in. He was right. I believe him now. And if you've heard all of this, all these quotes, all the answers Deion's given from three weeks ago to after the game, if somehow now you still doubt Coach Prime, that's on you. Because I, I think I've adequately showed all the examples I possibly could of Deion Sanders not only calling his shots and not being like crazy and delusional, but just right. And knowing football really well, believing in his players, and and trusting that they will become what they can, and trusting himself to be a great coach, that is why I am all in on Deion Sanders. And there's one more thing worth noting about him that I really like. You notice when he talks, he says, dang or darn. And watching these interviews, he rarely cusses. I, I couldn't find one cuss word. And You know, part of why he does that is because, yes, he worked on national TV and probably as made himself able to talk without cussing because that's what you have to do when you work in tv but also by having lots of quotable things said from him that don't involve cuss words he can be shown on tv more he ends up on espn he ends up on fox people can show him and that allows recruits to hear his message i mean those are that's just one of the many little things Deion sanders does really really well and to me again like i said He called his shot over and over and over again. And if somehow, after week one of college football, after hearing everything I just played for you, if somehow you still don't believe in Deion Sanders, that's on you. Because I just think that, you know, I wanted to watch one game. I wanted to see what would happen. Um, I've seen one game. I have now gone back and watched all this footage of Deion calling his shot over and over and over again being right over and over and over again. And so now I'm fully sold. I'm all in on Deion Sanders. I think he's the next Nick Saban, whatever that means, whatever the next great college football coach that's going to build a dynasty and win a national title or two, that's Deion Sanders. And uh, I think people do not even fully understand the implications of beating TCU week one, how much that's going to help him dominate recruiting in the future. And how many young men out there are going to hear what Deion Sanders has to say and the way he's trying to help them and go, yeah, dad, uh, mom, I'm going to go play for Dion. I know Nick Saban's out there. I know Alabama's proof is in the pudding. They're great. But I think Dion can make me into a star. And look, guys, I I was a very average college football player. Like I, I played at the lowest level. I was, I was nothing. I, I was just, I would have been so happy to be in the room. Like, do you understand whether you play or not at Colorado, you're going to become a better man, a better person and a better player. You may not play, but there's no way that practicing against the best players in the country aren't going to make you a better player too. And um, I just, I really fully am totally bought in on Deion Sanders. He's an incredible coach who's going to do amazing things. And uh, I encourage you, if you don't believe me, pay attention. (laughs) Like open your eyes because um, I, I understood going into week one. I myself was like, let's wait and see. I want to see one game. But now that I've seen one game, And then I've gone back and listened to everything. Dion is just unbelievable. And he's the next big thing in college football. I just, I got to tell you that that's my belief. I'm all in on that belief. And I I think I adequately showed you why. All right. um, Let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals. We talked about Dion for, I don't know how long, a long time for sure. Um, Josh Dobbs was recently traded from Cleveland to Arizona. And I expect Josh Dobbs to be the week one starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. So What I did, I watched his introductory press conference in Arizona, and um, guys, I loved it. I really fell in love with Josh Dobbs, the human being. And so I want to be very clear. I am rooting so hard for Josh Dobbs. Like, he's not a great quarterback. He's not Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or, you know, whatever. But, dude, I just want to see him do well. Like, on a human level, I'm rooting for him. I want to play a couple clips from what Josh Dobbs said during his— opening press conference at Arizona. Uh, take a listen to new Cardinals quarterback, Josh Dobbs.
2: We all play professional football. You know, we all spend a lot of time on our craft here in the complex. And you know, what I've learned the most is guys respect guys that are authentic in themselves. And so that's who I am. That's how I am. That's how I approach um, this opportunity at the podium or in front of my teammates or on the field. Um, and so, yeah, just to be able to go in and lead them um, help contribute to this team and whatever my role may be. Um, I'm really excited about it. Authenticity,
0: man. I love it. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I think it'd be really cool if we could find a way to get Josh Dobbs on that Netflix series quarterback, because yeah, we know what it's like to follow Kirk cousins or Patrick Mahomes, but what about following like a true backup quarterback, a guy who is a backup, sometimes a starter. Josh Dobbs has played in eight games during his career. He occasionally makes a start, started a game for Tennessee last year. He's probably going to be the week one starter in Arizona. But then what's going to happen behind the scenes when inevitably Kyler Murray, if he does, come back? And then Josh Dobbs becomes the backup again. It's so fascinating. It's such an interesting journey to follow. And then on top of that, he's such a likable human being. So here's something he said. I really want you to listen to this. This is Josh Dobbs' approach as a quarterback.
2: Take a listen. No, I I would say for myself, every time I step in the building, I put starting expectations on myself. So um, I know the QB situation is going to play out. However, the coaches see fit. Um, But for me, you know, I come in ready to compete every single day. I push myself, but also, you know, approach the room in that way. And so I'm excited to be a part of it and be a part of the team. They've got such a weird quarterback room in Arizona. Uh,
0: You know, Kyler Murray, maybe, maybe not as going to play this year. We're not really sure. They've got a rookie fifth round pick, Clayton Toon. Um, I will be rooting heavily for Josh Dobbs, but here's something he said that I love. Here is Josh Dobbs talking about getting to know new teammates. This is a great answer and a great mature thing to say. And it actually makes me think a lot about Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford, who uh, maybe should take some notes, actually, and learn from Josh Dobbs' approach to um, interacting with teammates.
2: As you guys know, there's a lot of turnover in the NFL in general, in the offseason, year to year, week to week even, so learning new teammates, meeting new people is a part of the game, a part of the profession, and so um, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't met everyone yet. i probably met them in passing, but uh, my goal is to meet everyone, obviously, very quickly, and Um, know my teammates because that's a big part of, you know, being a a quarterback on the team. You know, it's part of the position, being a leader on the team to know your teammates and be able to motivate them. So, you know, I would say one A, one B goal is, you know, learn all your teammates, right? So, um, yeah, diving into that as well.
0: New guys and changing faces is part of being in the NFL. And as a quarterback, you got to try to connect with everyone. Hearing that made me feel better, actually, about what I said recently about Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford. Now, here is more of what Josh Dobbs had to say about that topic.
2: We learn a lot of names on the fly, Um, especially, you know, we spend a lot of time in the QB room and stuff, and so you learn a ton of names on the fly, I think. um, Today in the huddle, you know, I learned Hayden, Hayden Center he came up to me working out. He goes, Hayden, I know we worked uh, worked together today. You know, you took some snaps from me, but my name's Hayden. And so um, there'll be some of that, but we'll have have fun with it. Guys, part of the job is meeting new people and learning their names. That's
0: part of the job, according to Josh Dobbs. That's a great answer. And uh, Josh Dobbs also talked about his career and the realistic outlook on what it's looked like. Because he hasn't been a Tom Brady who played for 20 years in the NFL. Take a listen to this.
2: When you're growing up, you may think, you know, um, the fairytale careers to go play like Ben right? I was in Pittsburgh with him for five years. You may think the fairytale careers to go there um, and play somewhere for 17 seasons. And uh, but when you really look around the league, you know, that's like very minutes that barely happens. And so everyone's journey looks different, right? Everyone's journey to where they want to go looks different. Um, and so I'm embracing mine. I embrace my role every step of the way and put my best foot forward every time I come to work. Josh Dobbs is 28.
0: He's a fourth-round pick in 2017. Played in Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Cleveland, now Arizona. Mostly, he's been a career backup. He's played in only eight games during his time, but it's kind of a cool opportunity for Josh Dobbs right now to get to be in Arizona, be a starter for a little while while Kyler Murray's out. And another fun thing I love about Josh Dobbs, something that I knew about him before, kind of distantly in my memory, but I got reminded of here, is that he studied aerospace engineering in college. He's literally... I guess a rocket scientist is the right word there, for lack of a better term. And at one point, Josh Dobbs actually committed to Arizona State for college, which if you've never been to Phoenix, Arizona State's in Tempe. But Scottsdale, Tempe, Phoenix, Glendale, it's just all one valley. It just feels like the same city, even if it's slightly spread out. Um, And so Josh Dobbs almost lived in the area once before. Then last minute, he flipped his commitment to Tennessee Take a listen to this.
2: I ended up going on my official visit to Tennessee, and I just really loved it. It was obviously geographically closer to home, being from Alpharetta, Georgia. And I had an opportunity to play a little earlier in my career at University of Tennessee than ASU. Um, but they both had tremendous aerospace engineering programs, uh, which was really important to me. <laughs> aerospace engineering,
0: huh? He mentions it again. He loves it. Listen to more
2: of that. It's been really cool developing relationship with NASA in Florida. They have one in Cleveland. As well as working with different companies like Sears Aircraft out of Knoxville. They have one out here Scottsdale. Um, So yeah, that's that's I would say goal down the road of been able to create amazing connections in that field, the engineering world. Um, But yeah, you know, focus on ball now, and then when that day comes, you know, we'll make the most of the opportunity. So when
0: Josh Dobbs is done with football. He wants to work in aerospace engineering, which, uh, man, I once dated actually briefly an engineer for NASA who designed some drones for them. And um, I went to drinks with very smart people where they're all engineers. And then there's me, like the YouTube football idiot. And I at times was like, yeah, you guys are all really smart. And and then there's me. I'm, I'm also here. Uh, and so the fact that Josh Dobbs is, you know, can hold his own in that world, it makes me like him even more. I just think it's really cool. And I want you to now listen to him talk about how being an aerospace engineer
2: correlates with playing quarterback in the NFL quarterback's most cerebral position in all sports so it definitely helps especially study habits processing information uh you get 40 seconds and defense is throwing different curveballs at you from pressures to fronts to coverages and you have a play and you get your team in the best play possible whether it's the play called or get to a different play and go out and execute that play and then repeat process the next time so you learn that same thought process in engineering in school like they give you a ton of homework a ton of problems where you got to go and repeat it you know being able to push my brain especially learning new offense per se.
0: I don't know how much we're going to get to watch Josh Jobs play quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals this year, but I am rooting for him hard. I love the guy. He's so easy to root for, likable, well-spoken, smart, giving great answers there. And uh, I really want to see Josh Jobs do well, both in football and in life after football. And, uh, man, someday, if it's ever possible, Josh Jobs would be such a cool guest on the show. Someone to, like, when he's retired— Come talk about football, talk about the journey, talk about his approach to life. He seems like such an interesting human to talk to. And uh, Josh Dobbs, got a new fan in me, man. I'm rooting hard for this guy. I don't know how he's going to do this year, but as a human being, what an awesome person and easy to root for. Now, let's transition. I want to, uh, let me show you the Michael Scott of the NFL. What's
3: up? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Good. Good. Good.
1: Shoo,
3: shoo, shoo, shoo. Shots. Explosives. Explosives. You can run.
0: That was a brief interaction. The first time Jonathan Gannon met Cardinals receiver Rondale Moore. Shoo,
3: shoo, shoo, shoo. Shots. Explosives. Explosives. You can run. <laughs> here is Jonathan
0: Gannon's speech to his team on day one. Who,
3: who drove over here? Let me see your hands. Who took the bus? Did you have fire in your gut? Did you? We're here for a reason. Don't get that twisted. Okay? We're here for a reason to win games. So if you didn't have that fire in your gut, you better better light the fire pretty fast. Okay?
0: I'm starting to feel mean. It's really cringy. Um, But the next clip I want to show you, uh, after that, just motivating speech that's gonna move you to tears and get you ready to run through a brick wall. The next thing I wanna show you is a clip I edited a little bit, added some visuals to to make it more stimulating, but this is Jonathan Gannon talking about what he wants his team to look like this year. Truthfully, if you said,
3: hey, JG, what do you want your team to look like? I want them to be killers. Truthfully, silent killers. Killers, okay? So, be who you are. Just understand I'm looking for f- killers. killers. Killers.
0: Guys, it's horrifying how easy it is to make fun of Jonathan Gannon. Um, like <laughs> That's one of my favorite edits I've ever made. I love that. I love I think it's just funny. Like I I don't I put it on Instagram and I just watch it over and over. It's just a funny moment. Um, like the silent but deadly as a fart. I think I think it's a funny joke. Um I don't entirely know what to make of Jonathan Gannon, if I'm totally honest. Um, I remember, like, in fairness, I remember when Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni first got to Philly, and when you clipped him out of context, it was really cringy and really embarrassing stuff. And so you can make the guy look goofy very easily. I just did that to Jonathan Gannon. But then Nick Sirianni, after looking really goofy when he first got hired, took the Eagles to a Super Bowl in their second year. So... I wanna be careful to say this. I hold my judgment. I wanna reserve judgment until we've seen the Cardinals play a couple games because you just don't know. Like everyone, I'm sure if you catch them on camera too much has a cringy moment or two. I definitely would have a lot of cringy moments myself if you just followed me with a camera all day. And so I wanna to wait to see Arizona actually play football, but certainly those are some goofy, cringy. Michael Scott moments, but it's not all bad. I mean, listen to this, this is what Jonathan Gannon said the first time he met Cardinals quarterback, Kyler Murray.
3: Oh man, no, no. they said, why do you wanna take this job? Well, not many open jobs have a franchise quarterback, yeah. that's why.
0: I like that, he's trying to build his confidence, he told Kyler he believes in him, and he makes his expectations very clear. Again, I'm trying to be fair and not just show bad clips here,
3: listen to this. Don't show up a minute late, I'm fining you. Cause you're not putting yourself behind the team. You're putting yourself in front of the team if you do that and it's bull because your buddies are founting on you.
0: The dude is clearly a
3: film junkie and loves his job. Since I started coaching, uh, I've never worked a day in my life. Like it is fun for me to come to the office. I'm excited about walking through the door every day. Any free time that I have, if I got 10 or 20 or 30 minutes, I'll just put on some tape and watch. You know, as you watch, you let things kind of hit your brain and you think about certain things. I always take notes, you know, when I'm when I'm watching tape. It's a happy place for me because the best thing about this job is the player. So hopefully we can help him a little bit.
0: These are good things and Jonathan Gannon appears to be a good guy. Now this next quote, and I'm not even kidding, is actually one of my favorite. I love this
3: quote from Jonathan Gannon. Bad players, okay, watch the tape on Monday. Good players, watch the tape before Monday. Great players, watch the tape before Monday, talk to your teammates, text your coaches, and have questions when you come in here on Monday. That's what's expected off of a day off or after a game we have to learn from what happened.
0: I mean, look, you gotta to come to work prepared and watch film on your own time. Come here with notes and questions ready. I think that's actually really good stuff. So I worry that the goofiness of Jonathan Gannon will get in the way of players listening to the good stuff he has to say, which he does actually have some good stuff to say. So I wanna be clear, I have an open mind. I don't know whether the goofiness of Jonathan Gannon is a problem or not. Um, I thought it was Nick Sirianni at first, but then when I was fair, he was awesome, and he led the Eagles to a Super Bowl in year two. This could be similar. By the way, Jonathan Gannon coached under Nick Sirianni. So, like, there might be some similarities we don't even know about there. I have an open mind. I am not rooting against Jonathan Gannon. But you also have to acknowledge that some of the stuff he does and says is admittedly um, goofy and cringy, And it feels sometimes like they hired a homeschool kid to be— the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, which are like, uh, all right, that's weird. I don't know why I said that. You know, phew, phew, phew. Killers. Okay, man. We get it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. But I have an open mind, and I hopefully here was able to present both the good and the bad of Jonathan Gannon and the cringy and the not cringy. But um, it's going to be really interesting to see how he does. A lot of people believe the Cardinals are tanking. Um, and I want to clarify about that. Here's what I mean by that. Jonathan Gannon isn't trying to lose games. He's going to be trying to win. Josh Dobbs is going to be trying to win. The football team, the 53, the coaching staff, they are trying to win football games. My, When I say that, what I mean is it's possible the general manager in Arizona and the front office realizes, hey, we not only do not have a good football team here, we have two first-round picks in next year's NFL draft. Both could be top-five picks if we're bad and Houston's bad. We could rebuild everything with those two picks. So maybe Kyler Murray shouldn't play this year because he's going to help us if he does well, and that's going to make our draft pick lower. And if he plays bad, we can't trade him away for anything. So what's the benefit of trading of, of playing Kyler Murray? Excuse me. Why would we play Kyler this year? And they had a bunch of free agent money that they did nothing with in the offseason. So I don't think that the team is trying to lose, but the front office might be. I don't know what to make of it. I have an open mind about Jonathan Gannon. Um, I know I predicted the Cardinals to win one game this year, and Cardinals fans hate that. They are really angry when I say that. They are fighting tooth and nail for not one win, but five. If you want to fight really hard for four more wins and, and we can have that debate, I don't know. I, I Do Cardinals fans really want their team to win five games this year? I mean, again, if you can have the number one pick and also another top five pick, wouldn't you want that? I'm not sure, but... I just want to be clear. I am trying to be fair to Jonathan Gannon. I'll make fun of him openly, but I also wanted to praise him and show some of the stuff he said that I like, and is good as well. So um, those are the good and the bad parts of Cardinals head coach, Jonathan Gannon. All right, let's shift back to college football. On Monday, I watched Clemson lose to Duke 28 to seven. It was a horrible game. Uh, Horrible game in the fact that Clemson played terrible. It was actually a great game for Duke. They played well. Um, Shout out to Duke. I mean, just great job there. I think they're not the story here. The story is Clemson, but, um, you know, Duke quarterback Riley Leonard played awesome. He's six foot four, a big, powerful athlete. He can run. He can throw. He's only a junior, and that's, you know, it's a bit overwhelming. It's another quarterback in college that I feel like has NFL potential. So we're just like, (laughs) it's a— we are reaching a saturation point. I am telling you, there are so many talented young quarterbacks that we don't know what to do with all of them. And as they go to the NFL, it's just going to keep raising expectations. Getting away with playing at a mediocre level, the quarterback position, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins. Eh, Kirk's a bit unfair. That's a bit of a cheap thing, but Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill. No one's going to pay a quarterback a ton of money when you can find a guy like Riley Leonard to do it um at maybe not the same level but certainly with more potential bigger better athlete i don't know man there's just so many young quarterbacks in college football right now and all of them are heading towards the nfl and you're gonna get to a point where you're like hey every team has two talented quarterbacks we're not sure what to do with that like for example cleveland has deshaun watson their qb1 but they've got a promising young guy dorian thompson robinson right behind him and you're like dtr is not scheduled to be on the field for a long time and that's actually kind of sad he's a great player So, man, like I said, um, add Riley Leonard to the list of guys in college that look like future NFL quarterbacks that have some potential there. Now, no disrespect to Duke. Again, they won 28-7. Great victory for them. But to me, the story from Monday is Clemson losing. They are the historically notable program in this matchup. They went into the game the number nine team in the country. And, uh, you know, Clemson has been to four national titles since 2015. They won two of them. Their coach, Jabba Sweeney, has been there for 16 years. He's 161 and 40 in those 16 years. The Clemson football program, however, appears to just be eroding. And it's a slow process. I, you know, it's, I'm going to tell you what they've done the last three years. In 2020, they went 10 and two. In 2021, they went 10 and three. Last year, they were 11 and three. Those are great. That's a great job. Those are really good seasons in college football. But it's not the same as it once was. They used to be a dominating force; they no longer are. You know, in 2016, Clemson beat Auburn, Alabama, and dominated Ohio State 31 to 10, national title. 2018, they went 15 and 0, won a national title. They beat Notre Dame 30 to 3. They beat Alabama 44 to 16. They were a dominating force in college football. They no longer are. I'm sorry. You can't lose to Duke twenty-eight to seven and say you are what you once were. The question really is, can Clemson ever get back to what they once were? Because watching their head coach Dabo Sweeney when he was losing to Duke, watching him on the sideline as he's watching his team fumble the ball twice in the goal line, have horrible special teams, look like an embarrassment. Watching Dabo Sweeney, he looked lost. He looked defeated. He looked like he didn't want to be there. Like he wanted to go home. Like he wanted to just slide down into his shirt and disappear. They are not dominating in recruiting. The offense looks horrible. I'm not really sure what Dabo even does. If he's not getting great recruits, what does he do? Because the offense was really disappointing, and it was supposed to be better. They hired Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator from TCU. He came over from TCU after they went to the national title last year. That's the brother of Lincoln Riley, the head coach at USC. And I was waiting. I'm watching this game for Clemson, waiting for somebody to make a big play. Waiting. Waiting. Hey, when is anybody on Clemson's football team going to step up? I actually thought. I was kind of tricking myself. They were down 21 to 7. I'm like, they're going to come back. Like, surely at some point, they're going to snap into place, and Clemson's going to look like the Clemson of old, and they never did. Nothing. Waiting and waiting and waiting. And there does not appear to be a playmaker on Clemson's offense, straight up. It's just like horrible. You're like, the receivers have no separation. There's no difference maker. There's no great athlete. Um, again, I think Garrett Riley was supposed to make their offense better. It didn't. It really didn't. And they had an awful week one. I don't know that it's Garrett Riley's fault. Again. They don't have great recruits. The players are maybe the problem. There's not a lot of separation there. There's not a great overwhelming athlete. Like I watched um, Keon Coleman at Florida State. That's a difference maker. He had three touchdowns against LSU, and I was like, that guy's a playmaker. There's no one like that on Clemson's roster. And the quarterback at Clemson, Cade Klubnick, was really underwhelming. He's got an average arm, he's not a great athlete, he's not really a big playmaker. And I acknowledge that Clemson's going to look better. They've got two week games the next two weeks. They play, you know, next week they play Charleston Southern. Ooh, an FCS program. Watch out. They're going to look great. They're going to win like 80 to three or whatever. Um, But man, all good things come to an end. Even the Bobby Bowden era, at the end of his run at Florida State, he went those final four years with seven and six, seven and six, nine and four and seven and six. I mean, things do erode over time. And Clemson later in the year plays Notre Dame, Florida State, North Carolina. Uh, good luck. I'm I'm worried for Clemson, man. What we saw week one from them was bad. Losing to Duke 28-7. Two fumbles on the goal line. An underwhelming quarterback. The head coach, Davos Sweeney, looked like he just wanted to go home. He didn't want to be there. And recruits were watching this. This is a primetime game on Monday. The country was watching and it's going to be a memorable moment. You know, the same way Deion Sanders is going to really benefit from beating TCU week one, that's a moment that's going to stick in people's minds for a long time. Watching Clemson get embarrassed by Duke week one is going to be a moment where people go, ooh, do I want to go play there? I'm, I'm not sure I do. I'm, I don't know why I would want to be in, at Clemson right now. And in three weeks from now, they play Florida State. Which, you know, if the Duke game didn't teach us anything, certainly that Florida State game, there's going to be no excuse of, oh, it's the first game. I got a lot of stuff to clean up. No, no. By the time they get to Florida State, three weeks from now, it's going to be game time. And we are going to learn a lot about Dabba Sweeney and Clemson in that football game. I worry they could be at the end. They had a great run. It was fun. Won two national titles since 2015. We will see. I guess since 2016, they lost one in 2015. Um, maybe once again, Clemson can become a dominating force in college football, but I I don't see evidence of that. All I've actually seen in the last couple of years, ever since Trevor Lawrence left, they've been steadily eroding. I know they keep winning, you know, losing two to three games a year. They're, they're doing great on paper in a weaker conference, the ACC, by the way, but they haven't made the college football playoff in 2020. They don't look like a team capable of doing it this year. And let's also acknowledge things are changing all over college football. Teams are moving. Conferences are realigning. Everything's happening. And Clemson right now is in a tenuous spot. They're in a weaker conference. They are losing. They don't look good up front. They don't have any difference making playmakers on offense. They don't have great recruits. They were like 11th in the country last year. They're not a top five, top three recruiting team in the country. I'm not really sure what Dabo Sweeney does. He looks like he wants to go home. I'm not declaring the end of the Clemson dynasty yet, What whatever that was, those couple of years where they were dominant under Dabo. And they're still a good program, I, I think. But certainly they're at risk of losing everything and having things totally collapse. And uh, if I were a high school football player right now, why would I want to go play there? Why would I want to go play for Dabo Sweeney? Why would I want to go to Clemson? I mean, I just think that he's getting outpaced by all the other programs in college football right now, building new facilities, dynamic young coaches. Deion Sanders is a guy that just is going to be dominating force. And uh, this could be this loss could signal the beginning of the end for Clemson football. I'm not ready to declare, make some crazy statement. This is the end. It's over. That feels a bit like, okay. let's not overreact yet. Let's just wait and see. I always drag my feet and wait till I've got definitive evidence rather than trying to be the first one to make a claim. But, um, you know, I'm worried about Clemson football. And uh, the best years, they might have reached their peak and be on the downhill. And they might have peaked a couple years ago with Trevor Lawrence, to be totally honest. Now, on Sunday, number eight ranked Florida State beat number five ranked LSU 45-24. to Uh, Look, it was honestly kind of a sloppy— underwhelming football game. LSU led Florida State 14 to, sorry, 17 to 14 at halftime. Then Florida State pulled away in the fourth quarter. I, you know, Jordan Travis was both the playmaker and difference maker for Florida State and also a quarterback who made some really sloppy mistakes. He had a couple throws. I was like, what the heck are you doing? Like he had a throw late over the middle, up in the air on his own goal line where he should have thrown a pick at like the 10 yard line. It was just a, hey, you can't ever, ever, ever make that mistake as a quarterback. That's horrible. But he bounced back. And credit to Jordan Travis. After throwing a pick, after having some bad mistakes here and there, he ended up with a five-touchdown game. He threw four touchdown passes. He ran for one. Uh, what I Again, what I say here is Jordan Travis had a bad kind of start to the game, but he settled in. And not only settled in, it's easy to fall apart mentally when you're making embarrassing mistakes. To be like, I had a bad start. I can't recover from this. But he did. He kept fighting. He played at a high level. And I hesitate to come down too hard on LSU head coach Brian Kelly. I'm not exactly sure why. Let's acknowledge. I don't know why I'm not here saying, you know, Brian Kelly sucks. Let's call for his job. But it was 24 to 17 in the fourth quarter. I think both teams played really sloppy and really ugly. It's not like Florida State was a way better team. But You look at on paper, they're kind of even stat-wise, and I guess – I didn't have college football playoff expectations for LSU this year. You know, I thought watching Florida have a horrible week one loss. That was awful. Um, Clemson was the worst loss week. one I saw Colorado was better coached than LSU. So it, as I compare the things I saw to what I saw from LSU, people did better. People also did way worse. LSU was just kind of like underwhelming. Like, okay, like it's not horrible. It's not great though. And I, I, am, I guess my question is, what do you expect from Brian Kelly? He's a solid coach, but, you know, um, you're playing a big game week one. It's kind of a risky move where you haven't had a preseason game or a game against a weaker opponent to clean the small stuff up. And in a game like that where it's week one and you're probably not going to be as sharp. You're going to have penalties. It's it's normal. It's It's rare to have a game like Colorado had against TCU where – You have like barely any false starts, barely any procedural penalties. Usually in your first game together, you have miscues and you got to clean it up. And it comes down to, hey, who's got better dudes? Whose athletes are better? Who's got better playmakers? And I thought that Jordan Travis, the quarterback for Florida State, made more plays than Jaden Daniels. And, you know, Keon Coleman, the receiver for Florida State, transferred in from Michigan State. Dude had nine catches, 122 yards and three touchdowns. Keon Coleman and Jordan Travis, that's the difference in the game. That's what Florida State had that LSU didn't. But I didn't think it was, like, some disaster, horrible performance from LSU and I'm ready to, like, give up completely on Brian Kelly. Again, I I just thought both teams were kind of sloppy and one of them had a little better playmakers than the other and that made the difference in the end. Um, There's a lot to clean up, man. And, again, when it's a sloppy Week 1 game, like you see often in college football in these big matchups, it comes down to who's got better athletes and better playmakers. Florida State had them. But I think after week one, a Clemson fan should hit the panic button and go, I'm terrified. This feels like the beginning of the end. LSU, it's just not the same. It's, it was an ugly loss. It wasn't great. There's a lot to clean up, but they were different losses to me that meant different things. Like LSU plays Ole Miss on September 30th. If LSU in that game gets embarrassed... Then we can talk about the future of Brian Kelly, talk about, hey, you know, should we give up on this whole thing? Is this going to be horrible? But remember, coming into LSU, he left Notre Dame to come to LSU. Brian Kelly was trying to get to a bigger program with better, you know, facilities, more money, a better recruiting base, and try to do something he's never done before. Brian Kelly is not only trying to win at LSU, he's trying to do something he's never done before, which is to win a national title. And to me, he's got a lot to prove. I mean, I would liken Brian Kelly to—he's like a really average—he's Dak Prescott or Kirk Cousins, right? You get to a playoff game, you're solid, you put up good numbers, you're you're decent, you're kind of mid. He's not elite, though. Brian Kelly's not an elite college football head coach, he's a very good one. That, and that that doesn't feel controversial to me. So if you expected— Brian Kelly to and maybe LSU fans did, which is why I feel different than they probably do about the loss. But if you expected Brian Kelly to win a national title this year, I would say you had bad expectations. You were just unrealistic. And so I I don't feel this need to panic for LSU. I just think that, again, Florida State have better playmakers. But the two worst losses I saw during college football week one, Florida losing to Utah and Clemson getting embarrassed by Duke. LSU isn't in the conversation with me. They weren't that bad. The same level of bad Florida and Clemson were. So it's fine. It's not great. I wouldn't be glad you lost if you're an LSU fan. But again, Florida State had better playmakers that made bigger plays in the fourth quarter than your guys did. And um, that's disappointing, but also not like, to me, not the end of the world. I don't don't know. Uh, On Sunday, I know, a Sunday game, Oregon State beat San Jose State 42 to 17. And it was kind of cool. Oregon State's a top 25 school in the country, and no conference teams to want them. They can't—they're basically looks like Oregon State's going to have to play in the Mountain West next year. Oregon State's going to likely have to go play against, well, uh, San Jose State every year (laughs) in that division. Um, And if this was their first ever game in the Mountain West, Oregon State dominated. They won 42 to 17 and showed, if we go to the Mountain West, we are going to be the best team here. Like, we are a dominating force. And it's also interesting, by the way, the Pac-12 went 13-0 in the first week of college football. That's never happened in the last 40 years, so kind of interesting. It's really sad that the Pac-12 is probably going to have its best year ever and its last year ever. Now, the big story from this football game was Oregon State quarterback DJ Uyungle. He's a transfer from, uh, we talked about him earlier, Clemson. He had five touchdowns. He threw three touchdown passes. He also ran for two. He was 20 for 25 passing at 239 yards. It was interesting. It got my attention. Um, I watched every snap he played. There was a notable miss that really just sticks in my brain. It was a throw you cannot miss. He threw a bubble screen into the ground, and it felt like a moment where, like, okay, well, we're seeing some of the issues of him with accuracy he had at Clemson last year. And it's just hard to judge a game against San Jose State where his offensive line is overwhelmingly way better. They're running the ball for a ton of yards. I don't think he was really challenged in this football game. The five games I'm going to judge DJ Uyungle on are September 23rd at Washington State against Cam Ward, a really dynamic, awesome quarterback. They're going to play Utah on September 29th at Colorado, November 4th. Washington, November 18th, and Oregon, November 24th. Those are the five games for DJU that we're going to look back on and go, how did he play against really good competition and big moments on the road at Washington State, on the road at Colorado, against Oregon, against Washington, against Utah, all at home, by the way. How does he handle the better teams in the Pac-12 and a really good quarterback matchup September 23rd at Washington State? How does he handle that? Does he get outshined? Does he play badly? Those are the games we will judge DJ Ui on when the time comes at the end of the year. Uh, another guy that caught my attention week one was the new Penn State quarterback Drew Aller. Dude is 19 years old, six foot five, 243 pounds. He is a monster, and it's weird because he's like a grown man, but he has a baby face. You're like, dude, you look like a child. You look like you're 12, but you're built like a giant. It's crazy. Uh, Against West Virginia, he was 21 for 29 passing, had 325 yards, three touchdown passes. The two big moments to watch Drew Aller this year. He's young. He's a sophomore. He's got a lot of time to, to gain my attention and respect when it comes to the NFL. But Penn State plays at Ohio State on October 21st. That'll be really, really interesting. And then November 11th, Michigan comes to Penn State. And that'll be really fun, too. So those are the two big games, I believe. Does Penn State play in State College? Is that the name of that town? I think I think it's what it is, State College, which is such a... If that's really the name of where Penn State is, that's a funny little town name. Anyway, though, the Michigan and the Ohio State game, those are the two games where I'm going to look at Drew Aller and go, how do you play? You got an opportunity? Gain my attention. Gain my respect. I am waiting to see what you do. Finally, let's end the show today with a shout-out to Wyoming football. Uh, I got a couple of friends who played at Wyoming, Played with Josh Allen actually, awesome. Um, Laramie is really cool. Beautiful sunsets. I've been there in the winter, and uh, Laramie, Wyoming. It's I you know Wyoming and Montana they're very similar in this fact that when the snow sets in, you have the mountains nearby and the 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 city lights up orange with the street lights and it looks so interesting and cool, kind of kind of a cozy orange glow. But uh, you know, a friend of mine actually just got hired there. I might go see them, uh, maybe. March or February, hopefully get the end of the snow. Um, Wyoming just beat Texas Tech 35 to 33. And this is what I wanted to talk about. It was an awesome win. They won in double overtime. They were down 17 to nothing at one point. And I don't have a lot to say here, just that it was a cool win. Like, shout out to Wyoming. Awesome program. I love Laramie. I love what you guys are doing. Really cool win to beat a big 12 school, Texas Tech, at home, by the way, at, at Wyoming, uh, beat Texas Tech 35 to 33 in double overtime just worthy of a shout out well done to wyoming i watched the highlights of the game i didn't watch the game i'm not going to pretend to you guys but what i saw was fun entertaining um i don't know that i'll probably watch any more wyoming football the rest of the year if i'm totally honest but um they are worthy of a shout out great win by them big upset and uh, great job at home so well done wyoming football round of applause guys i love you that was a long show it feels like it was a long show i don't really know uh i have to go run to the store what do I need to buy? There's something I got to buy. I got to buy dish soap really bad. So I'm going to go. I'm hungry. I need dish soap. I love you. I will see you next episode. We are going to do round two of NFL predictions. So we'll have fun with that. Love you. Appreciate
2: you. Have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are